Open the hatch. Wait a minute. If we let it in, the ship could be infected. You know the quarantine procedure. 24 hours for decontamination. We could die in 24 hours. Open the hatch. Listen to me. If we break quarantine, we could all die. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Perfect Organisms Alien Day 2020 ICC Quarantine Edition. Our first guest is Clara. We're also waiting on a friend of ours, John David Roman, who's here, but we can't hear him yet. How's your day been, Clara? Oh, good. I'm celebrating uh, the 27th now, <laughs> I guess. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I'll be 427. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was telling you Doing good. I, I was telling Jamie Burp, just before you recorded that um, the boys, when they went to bed just about 20 minutes ago, like only went to bed on the condition that Alien Day could also be tomorrow now. So like we are officially, LD427 is going to be a thing in our household. So <laughs> I'm totally on board that bandwagon. Well, see, I, 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 I posit or, or propose uh, January 1st. Wait, what was it? What was it? No. Was it January 1st? No, wait. January 16th, which would be Fury 116th. Oh. Is it an alternate? Wasn't it 161? Uh, yeah. No. Is it 161? Yeah, it's 161. Oh, yeah. fuck me. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. 161. Yeah. 16 yeah. 1. That works. Yeah. Oh, that does work. That okay. Yeah, that does work. That's an Australian date system. I'll allow it. <laughs> You know, so it'll be an alien three day. We should do that in January. Don't steal our idea, Clara. <laughs> we'll do a team up, okay? Alien three. Ladies and gentlemen, Clara has admitted she does not like an alien. <laughs> yeah, we are shutting down the Zoom call right now. Clara. Goodbye, Clara. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> but no, no, no. But I, I was going to um to consider starting um, uh, two, two, three. So 23rd of February is Prometheus Day. Oh, that's and interesting. And then we should, we should also try Alien April, which is all of April. We just celebrate all alien. No, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I've got five, much? five episodes today, 10 tomorrow. <laughs> we'll be prepping And then everybody it, like, just hibernates for the other 11 months of the year. Just, everybody just sleeps. And then April, everybody's like, whoa, we got a lot to do. <laughs> I like the idea of doing 223 because uh, it would be really intimate. It would be like you and like Dave and that's it. Like nobody else <laughs> would be celebrating Prometheus Day. <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> just, so what? Are, what have? What are your highlights been today, Clara? Today slash yesterday? Clara's in Australia. Everybody, if no one knows. Yeah. Um. My highlights. Oh, I don't know. It was all kind of a blur. Um. <laughs> are you it, at it home was, right now? I'm at home in my in my kitchen. Okay. And uh, my in-laws actually left this morning they came out of COVID-19 quarantine mid-Sunday so I was also I was trying to automate everything for alien day for me but then I also had to go hang out with my family so it was a bit of a juggling mm. act so I'm just extremely exhausted my highlight was actually seeing my in-laws I've been worried sick about them yeah <laughs> And Alien Day was such a diversion for me, and I really loved being able to throw myself back into it because I've I've been away from it 
for quite a while because of my work commitments. But now that I'm jobless, <laughs> woo, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> are you furloughed or are you, are you like fired? I got sacked before the COVID-19 pandemic. So oh, I don't even okay. get job support. Oh, really? Um, wow. Yeah, I, I'm wow. in absolute limbo. <laughs> wow. What about the wow. studio? Is the studio okay? I might lose it after this month because oh. the, rent, the rent is 5000 a month and I'm not earning any income because I, I don't have tenants that can stay because all of their jobs, like they all work in service industries, frontline workers, right. and some of them have lost their job. So I can't expect them to stay or keep their rent or honor any contracts because yeah, we're yeah. all going through the same thing. So I just yeah. said, you know what? Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen, but you know. Is there, is there any rent forgiveness in, in your city or no? No, not for, no. Not for the, the sort of um, business structure that I have because I'm only a, a secondary landlord and I have like sub-tenants. So like it really sucks because like just before the pandemic hit, I was nearly at a hundred percent capacity. I had wow. international teachers coming in. I had workshops lined up with the local um, educational uh, institutions. It was, it was looking really bright and then this hit and it just all fell apart and oh, it just shows sorry. you how fragile everything is. And oh, yes. it's okay. it hurts, but at the same time, like these things happen and I'm, I'm just so proud of how far I was able to make it come in, in um, one year. Yeah. Uh, rarely do businesses make money in their first year. And I was starting to like more than break even. <laughs> wow. wow. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. John, yeah. is that you? Are you here? He's John, his message. John David Roman. Well, there's two Johns in here. So I thought maybe he re-entered. Which John? Anybody else in here? I see two Johns. No. I can see John David is installing Zoom at the moment. Yeah. I don't know who this other John is then. It's very Hi, mysterious. It is mysterious. <laughs> Hello, mysterious John. How are you today? Welcome to Perfect Organism. Which kind of chat room did you think this was? <laughs> <laughs> I like how this other John doesn't even have a last name. It's just like, I just, it's just John, you know? Just John. Maybe it's John Hurt from the grave. That'd be, so, that'd be amazing. You know, we were watching all the Harry Potter movies. Now there's a John David asking to come in, which is probably him. But what if it's what if it's just another John who also likes the Android? This is John David. John? John David Roman, is that you? Oh, it says joining. Well, I'm glad you're um keeping good spirits about it, Clara. That's important. It's you know, there's there's the option to either freak out, which some people are doing, or to say, hey, you know what, let's weather the storm and maybe there's some positives here. Um, oh yeah, I totally freaked out in the first week, but what yeah. can you do? <laughs> there he is. There's John. What's going on, John? Can you hear us? Maybe he hasn't connected audio yet. But I, we can't hear you. You're muted. You're muted. You might need to connect your audio. Um, does anybody else? Does anyone know name know someone named Dwight Paulson? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Okay. For Facebook. We'll see. Can you guys hear me now? Yeah, yeah. there we go. God, awesome. 
John, your your uh, shirt design is blowing up right now. We are like it, you so- like it? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one too. But the one that you the one that you made. Hey Dwight. Hey Dwight. How you doing? Are you in the right chat room? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's also muted. I mean. Oh yeah, that's weird. That's oh, he's connecting. Thing. He's connecting to audio. Here he's we go. connecting. Okay. Okay. I had to do a lot of things. Dwight Paulson. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Good. how are you? Welcome to the Madhouse, man. Yes, hey. yes. Welcome it's to Alien Day 2020. Dude, it's great to finally talk to you guys. Yeah. Yes, it is, actually. So we were just, just a minute before you joined, uh, John also had joined, and, and you know, John Dave Roman is the guy who did the, uh, the amazing Xenomorph illustration that we have in the t-shirt that was available today. And I was just saying that that shirt is like actually selling. We always do this thing where we come up John, with John, like it's mind. selling like crazy. We've like never had a shirt sell like this. It's out of control. It is like out of control. It's, it's going to sell like at least seven. At least seven. Copies <laughs> today. Which, well, usually uh, we'll sell like seven in like three days. As yeah. Opposed to- like the first, so the first year we did this, the first year we did like a crazy alien day blowout when we kind of like hit our max with what we could possibly do. We had oh like God. 15 different shirt designs. I was oh like, Jamie, we got to roll this out every 30 minutes. I'm going to have the next <laughs> one coming out. We're going to have the fucking day glow special variant. People are going to buy these things. You know how many shirts we sold that day? Three. We I sold know, three shirts that day. <laughs> and we only have this one design this year and it's already sold like eight. So I'm telling you, man, by the end of this, ah. this one recording, there will probably be even more of them gone. And uh, your artwork is incredible. And we're It is awesome. Excited. It is awesome. Thank <laughs> you so much. It. appreciate it. Thank you so much. How's I'm actually kind of glad to share with you guys. And, um, I'm actually hoping to see if this year I'm, I'm able to release the first issue of the Aliens Earth War remake that I'm doing. Oh, shit. Yeah, the awesome. first issue. Actually, I have, um, I wanted to, to just explain a little bit like that, if you guys allow me to. Um, yeah. It is basically not a retelling of the original story. Remember that Sam Keith back in the 90s was, uh, you know, one of the famous comic book artists uh, at the same time with McFarlane, Jim Lee, and all those guys in the 90s when they made the X-Men. And uh, obviously, most of these artists worked in, um, as uh, freelancers. So obviously, Dark Horse hired Sam Keith. And a lot of people were put off with their artwork because his type of artwork is more like mystical. Uh, you know, it, it didn't really fit the feel of alien and even though i like the story i saw a lot of flaws in it uh but i think that the story itself is actually very strong if you can tweak and add some stuff to make it include or, or feel like part of the alien saga and that's exactly what i'm doing i'm just actually adding a lot of the stuff that we have come to like from the uh, stories that we know and trying to make it more alien alien you know what i mean Awesome. So I'm hoping that I'm actually able to finish, finish that this year. Well, your work's amazing. It's fucking amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for doing that. It's awesome. No, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. And I'm hoping to share more artwork with you guys. So oh, yeah, for sure. If it actually works out, we'll be making more. Yeah. That's yeah. great, man. Well, well, I'd so like to where, welcome... where can people go uh, to, to get your art or to follow your progress? Building Better Worlds? Where else? I'm sorry? If, if people want to support your comic project or if they just want to check out more of your art, where should they, where should they go? Uh, right now, I have not posted it because I want it to be a surprise. So I, I'm not even doing like uh, snippets, but I may have a small nude uh, image that I can share in the page. Oh, nice. So 
Yeah, <laughs> great, man. Do nice, it. Nice, nice. Something that I thought that I was working on. And um, again, there are many ideas that I just uh, pulled in from all the other stuff that we have, like from Alien Isolation and even amped up some of the things that we had from the original story and whatnot. So, and River of Pain. River of Pain has actually nice. influenced this too. So, awesome. Yeah. Great. I'm hoping that, uh, but in any way, uh, what I could do is I can post it with you guys in the uh, perfect uh, organism podcast and uh, page that we have on Facebook, but I'll be sharing a little bit. And eventually I may actually just open up again, my Instagram, which I do have, but I haven't done anything on it. So yeah, totally. Cool, man. Awesome. Uh, welcome to Taquito Palomares. Are you here? Hello. Uh, Taquito Palomares. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe you just the same issue that we had. <laughs> <laughs> well, his uh, mic says like he can talk, but he just his videos off. Anyways, uh, and we still don't know if there's another John here or if that's just John David's audio. No, that, I'm yeah. actually I have like two browsers where I was working. <laughs> so that is a duplicate. All right. So and I'm actually just leaving them right now. So I oh, I see. I see. There we go. So Dwight, welcome, man. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, you guys. Uh, I've this was kind of my first uh, Alien Day to uh, celebrate it, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I'm just kind of looking through Facebook and trying to and realizing how many fans of Aliens fans are, and and that's that's been awesome. Yeah. 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 Have you been doing anything? Did you buy anything? What have you been up to? No, well, you might kick me, but I'm actually, I was, I was, uh, started watching Alien versus Predator today because I hadn't seen that in such a long time. Right. And I was thinking, am I going to like, because I, I actually did kind of like that movie and I, and I wanted to, I wanted to watch it before I listened to the podcast that you guys did. Oh yeah. Um, I'll, so, I'll leave my comment. I was about to make so you can hear it there. <laughs> so I was wanting to catch up on it again, but you know, like I thought, well, let me let me watch it again because there's certainly been movies I've watched and loved it the first time, and then I watched it the second time, and I'm like, oh, why did I like that movie? And mm -hmm. so, <laughs> but but so far I'm I'm about thirty minutes in, and and it's actually I I kind of like it. I I think it's pretty good. It's Alien a good movie. Yeah. I'm so I don't know what is up with it. It's it's, it's fun. It's I fun. didn't think it, it was really a good movie until like two months ago, and now I'm like I think I kind of like this thing. And it's yep. so much like Prometheus, or Prometheus is so much like it. There's so <laughs> You're obsessed bad. with this, Jamie. It's yep. true. You got to yes, watch it. it. And it's the better film. It just is. <laughs> better than Prometheus? Oh, yeah. Miles by Miles. I, I may agree with you, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do have an opinion on that. I think that Prometheus took, like, it's and bits from Alien vs. Predator, Alien 3, and just jumbled everything together. And even you can see stuff like that in Alien Covenant. So I think that what they did is just like throw winks, even though it wasn't like, you know, directly like a wink or like, hey, remember this from Alien 3? You know, or yeah. remember this from Alien vs. Predator, even though we hate it? <laughs> Here's the thing is that, you know, you, there's, there's a difference between a wink and somebody having a seizure and going... <laughs> <laughs> like that, you know, like some, I mean, Prometheus, Prometheus has some pretty direct epileptic winkings yes. going on. That's what he chooses to believe. 
<laughs> no weapons I'm here. This is a science sure expedition. I, I'm going to make sure I direct Damon Lindelof and John Spates to this uh, recording so that they can hear about your epileptic winking. <laughs> I do think my prediction, though. My prediction is that by the end of our Prometheus series, though, I will be uh, fully on board the Prometheus train i gotta say i'm feeling it this is patrick I'm before we it. record are you sure you sure i i don't want to i don't like this movie <laughs> every fucking time i'm like jamie can we just do something else tonight i don't i'm excited like i don't like it either but i feel like that's makes me excited to explore it even more like what went into it how did they create it it's beautiful it is so beautiful to look at i could watch it, it so on mute all day every day um, Claire, what do you want? We, like we, we got to get Clara on the series soon. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do. Yeah, Clara, would you that. like to come on the Prometheus series? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> she is gonna defend it, though. <laughs> of course, we, yeah. we need that, though. We need so, that. So someone, someone needs to defend Prometheus. <laughs> May as well be me. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say to, though. Yeah. I will say, so, so uh, you, you heard it here first, people, although a promo is going to go out right after this, but we had, we had a really terrific extended interview. Uh, some of you participated, I don't know, Clara, you, you suggested about a thousand questions for it. Uh, we got to talk to Charles de Lazarica a few weeks ago um, about Prometheus, and it was like one of the most amazing conversations. It was awesome. We've ever had. He's the director so we're, we're, behind The Furious Gods. So Furious Gods making Prometheus. Um, I and, love uh, that documentary. Me too. It's amazing. I like it a lot more than I like the movie, I'll, t- I'll yeah, tell you that. Yeah. I want to see um, the movie they were talking about in that documentary. <laughs> right? I know. I'm, I'm like, this sounds great. Oh, wait a minute. I think that movie was John Spade's script. Anyway, um, I'm going, that's going to go out uh, for Tuesday. So you guys are going to hear um, some very cool behind the scenes stuff. Because, because, of course, Charles was there documenting from the very beginning of this process, basically. As soon as pre-production was, was a thing, he showed up with his camcorder. He drove into the valley. He started getting footage. He had people come with him. And then he was there from that until they wrapped. Um, and, and after they wrap too in post-production so it's pretty extraordinary access and, and he'll come back probably again later in the series we hope that would be amazing dwight what is your entry into the alien series what was the first film that you saw well i think um you know it's i, I can't pinpoint what that is i i want to say i was at my aunt's house one time and and i remember she had was flipping through the channels and I caught a little bit of aliens and it was at the part where, um, where Bishop gets cut in half is right at the end. And, uh, she was like, Oh, you know, you see milk kind of going everywhere and, uh, or the white blood. And, uh, she was like saying, Oh, this is, he's a robot basically. And, and, uh, so I was like, man, this movie's kind of cool. And I basically, uh, would try to watch it and and watch the i'd watch the tv version of it so you know uh, no swearing or anything like that in there Mm -hmm. but uh but then i i had a friend who had it his parents recorded it on hbo and i'd i'd borrow that tape from vhs tape from him and watch it over and over and over kind of like you patrick not patrick (laughs) jamie where i've heard you talk about watching it over and over every day yeah i watched i watched it a lot i escape into that movie that's my oh yeah I love that movie. And and then Aliens, amazing too. And then when I started listening to your podcast, uh, probably about six months ago, um, you guys really liked Alien 3. And I, I, I had a problem with Alien 3 just because of everybody, you know, the big let's kill off Hicks and Newt. And that really bummed me out. But 
you know, when you watch it and you watch other movies, you you really do realize, especially Fincher, just how amazing of a director he is. It's a really beautiful film. It's it's really well, actually well done once you can get over that. Um, Disappointment. Yeah, yeah, at the very yeah. beginning. Put it the mildly, shock. yeah, that, the, tr- the trauma that you go through in the beginning of that movie. Yes. 100%. Oh, yeah. And now it's like, you know, 20, 20, six years later i can watch it and i'm, I'm kind of over it now and yeah so i do appreciate that movie a lot for sure but even now i will say like just just before bed tonight I, because i'm a terrible father i was reading the verheiden comics to the kids <laughs> before bed and you know it starts of course with you know newton hicks alive you know and they're out you know floating in space and like uh and i was and i just like there's there's totally a part of me that like will never kind of get over that trauma of losing them at the beginning of three and like all the what ifs, like I, I, John David, you, you were working on something with uh, where they where they were alive. I remember seeing that. Yeah, uh, that's actually part of the aliens uh, uh, Earth War. That's Earth War, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I kind of like twisted a little bit. It, it it's I'm a, I'm actually going to spoil a little bit so that you guys know what I'm exactly doing. I'm not re- really erasing Alien Three or Alien Resurrection. What I am doing is actually twisting the events. Uh, I have Ripley at this moment being a sort of Sarah Connor post uh, Pescadero Hospital attitude. Meaning that what happened exactly in the events was she returns to LB-426 in the Earthward story back, uh, back uh, flashback she, in fact, is taken by the Origa, by General Perez. And this particular case, uh, some of the people that were in the actual comic are still part of the unit. Because one of the big mistakes that the comic books had was that they actually toned down Wayland yutani Wayland yutani all of a sudden disappeared in all the storylines, even when Earth gets overrun. So I am not taking that out because if you remember in the movies, particularly in Aliens that Dwight mentioned, um, one of the things that was actually exposed is that they had over 300 surveyed worlds, meaning how many colonies did they actually have? So in this particular case, when we look at the story of Alien and Aliens and even Alien 3, the company is too strong to actually be defeated too much. And one thing that I wanted to point out, uh, Patrick, particularly you, because you, you know, I'm a father too. I have a boy and a girl. They're grown up already. But this might sound a little bit morbid. I did, in fact, like that they killed Newt and Higgs for a moment, for a time. But I needed, and I understood the, the need of actually having them in the story. The thing is that I'm more influenced by Lovecraft himself, Lovecraft himself just like O'Bannon, when he created Alien, uh, was actually influenced by him. So sort of a nihilistic, uncaring universe in the story is exactly the feeling of, you know, the dread of what is exactly lying in that obscurity of space. So I did appreciate that little tone that, as somber as it is from Fincher, you know, I understood the need of having at least Uh oh. Sometimes this happens. I think it's frozen. 
Yeah. Oh man, he was about to wrap up a really good point. Oh, too. I know, I know. Do we no, have a new back from, from is is Taquito there? Tachito? I who is Taquito? Hmm. You know what? Hi, Taquito. <laughs> William Robbie. Oh, he left. Oh my god, he just left. What the fuck? <laughs> who was Taquito? I don't know. I that was John. You did. <laughs> I think John, that was his other alter ego, Taquito. Yeah. Was Taquito an alter ego? <laughs> we'll never know. John, how do you have grown kids? You look like you're 25. <laughs> <laughs> I sounded young, in fact. Uh, how old oh. do you think I am? 32. Um, thank you so much. I'm 43. Okay, we're this, around the same age, just about the same age. Crazy. Yeah, I had my kids. Uh, my son was born when I was 18 to 19, and then a year after my daughter was born. Oh, wow. So you're done. My son is, my son is married. Done. My daughter's divorced. What? <laughs> no, what? that's crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. John just, and I see Dwight. Is that a child of yours? Yeah, one of awesome. five. Oh, my wow. God. Oh, yeah. I'm mucho. Everybody's a breeder. <laughs> five kids. Yeah, so John, I, can... I, just, I just recently introduced two aliens and the first alien too, and I accidentally slipped what happened in the beginning of Alien 3 and he, uh, a couple of days later, and he was like, what? So he hasn't <laughs> seen Alien 3 yet, but, uh, but he kind of knows. But he has watched Alien and Aliens. That is a big spoiler to, uh, to, to, be, to be, there, there, there are other spoilers, spoiler. like, like today Jude, you know, my, my older son, who has not seen 3 yet, Oh, he really wants to because he knows how much I love it. Don't he's show like, him that movie. He's yet. like, does Ripley? Yeah, he's not ready for that movie yet. He's like, does Ripley die in it? And I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell you. He's like, you can just tell me. Does she die in it? I'm like, you're not gonna find out. Well, Go he knows room. already. <laughs> if you're not gonna tell him, he's already. He, he I knows. know, I know, I know. But John, before, because this is gonna cut off probably in five ten minutes because Zoom only gives us like forty minutes per show. Right, right. John, right. can you, can you finish up what you were saying? He's frozen. He's frozen. Yeah, like this. Yes. <laughs> anyway, Dwight, do you have a while we're waiting? Do you have a favorite alien movie? Is is it Aliens for you? For me? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aliens is my is my go to favorite. Man, I I just love that movie. Oh, he's back. If he let him finish. There he is. Yeah, my signal is actually coming down and going back up. It's. Don't worry, man. I, I'm usually the one whose signal sucks, so it, it feels great for me to have somebody else be dropping out. So just <laughs> okay. You were talking about you're talking about Lovecraft and the somber tone at the beginning of Alien Three feeling appropriate, and then you cut out. So what, finish that point. So yeah, um, and you know, I think that's one of the things that the Alien series, not only in the comic books but in the films, have lost. You know, it's mm. part of that uh, uncaring universe and that scary note that uh, when a band wrote it was so influenced on, you know, you looked at the stars after you watched Aliens and you're like, what the heck is out there? You know, it's a possibility that things like these actually do exist. And, you know, I'm also a very scientific person, scientific driven person in many things. And I think that nature itself uh, not necessarily goes the way that we think. So, with how old the universe is and how everything is right now, you know, I think that uh, it's a scary thing 
you know, thinking about something like Alien itself existing. And I think that um, after Alien 3, uh, the feeling of dread that we had for the Alien, because even Aliens still gave you that feeling. You know, the thing is that Aliens had a happy ending. As much death actually happened in that film, Aliens was had a happy ending. Alien itself didn't. It had sort of like a, oh God, I just survived. Mm -hmm. But in Aliens, it was like, oh, everybody, no, it's okay. I love you. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the case of I Alien 3. I love that 3, voice. <laughs> sorry? I love oh, that voice. Everyone dies. <laughs> <laughs> but in Alien 3, it was like, oh yeah, we're going to survive this. No, you're not. You know, and sad to say, that's the way it is. And we still see, we still focus that the xenomorph as dread, as dreading, uh, I mean, as a dreadful creature as it is, we still see it as a monster, when in reality, it's not like that. You know, it's, uh, the company is itself, is the monster. So, you know, I think that's the thing that I really don't like much about the current films because they switch the focus and the mystery of what the universe that is so vast has in those films, you know? And I think that's the difficulty that I have dealing with it. When you have like, for example, Prometheus, um, or let me just simplify it this way. The fact that the series is called Alien is not just based on the xenomorph. When you saw the space jockey, that is an alien as well. The moment you make it a bodybuilder, <laughs> you know, it just takes away the alien. Mm -hmm. It just is not the same anymore. It's like, oh, they're pre-human. What do you mean pre-human? That's not alien. <laughs> you know, that is just like, a, you know, somebody that has steroids on them. <laughs> yeah, well, the title of the word- <laughs> <laughs> well, the title, the word alien, you can mean, it, you can uh, interpret that as an alien presence. And that can mean the space jockey, the presence of the company on that ship, the presence of the alien on that ship, the presence of Ash on that ship. All of that is alien presence. It's, exactly. it's something that's sort of, like you said, it's almost Lovecraftian. It's out for you. You don't know what, what it wants. And you, also, you don't know that about Ash. What does Ash want? What are what are what what are his um, motives? His motives. What was his uh, what What did they tell him to do when he was on that ship? We don't really know. I mean, you see him sort of looking after the thing, but I would agree with you. I think the term alien is really a, a very broad term. It, it encompasses not just the xenomorph, but it's yeah. it's everything. It's the the planet itself is alien. Well, look at the queen how it was introduced. We never saw her until part of the end of the second film. And the fact that they discussed about who was laying them eggs, yeah. you know, started making you dread about it. It's like, yes. exactly, who the heck is laying these eggs? You know, right now, the, the queen is very mundane. For some reason, the warrior, the big chap warrior, still is the most dreadful alien design. So obviously when you see all the others, it's like, oh, oh yeah, whatever. But when you thought about the queen and you saw it for the first time without even seeing her before, just implied, you're like, holy crap, what the heck? Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. 
Totally. Although it's funny because in, in the context of the 40 Miles for Bad Road series, we were having a conversation kind of along these lines where we were talking about, you know, the, the alienness and about how, to me, aliens actually, the, so like, for example, when, when, when they say who's laying those eggs, then like we actually do get an answer to it. And there's something to me that feels a little bit too kind of like tightly closed off about that. And that leads me to this, like you were alluding to earlier, John, like about how aliens, although it ends with a lot of death and a lot of bloodshed, it's fundamentally also a feeling of let's snuggle up. We're okay. We know where we're going. Whereas alien ends with an, a complete open ellipse, right? That of course results in a 57 year drift through space, right? Like, I mean, like that, that, that is to me much more um, believable. Oh, we got Big Mac joining us. Look oh, at that from the dungeon in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Michael, how you doing buddy? No longer in the dungeon, I have a new space. I just got yeah, a notification brighter. on um, Zoom saying, we've just removed the limit. Have fun. So we got plenty Did you of not do that? No, I didn't do it. Oh my God, it said you did it. It said, it said the host has upgraded this meeting. And I was like, no, Jamie, you don't have the budget for this shit. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I think would be a great, uh, so a gr some great fodder for an Alien 3-centric episode? Discussing why it was easier for some of us to get over the death of Newton Hicks and others couldn't. Why that is. Discuss, like, for me, I, it wasn't this big deal. I mean, I really love those characters, but I was always the most invested in Ripley. So for me, as long as she survived, I was good. I, was, I, did, I never felt much for Newton Hicks. I think that'd be an interesting exploration. It is an interesting idea. I, got, I, I, got, I was ticked off just for the way they did it. I, yeah. thought it was, I thought it was a cheap way to send them off. Yeah. I mean, literally cheap because they didn't have to film anything. So it was yeah. actually just, just, I, I didn't just cost anything. They, I don't think they oh, gave Michael him B. the respect of the character. Michael B was the one that was pissed off the most. Yeah. He got, yeah. He got paid more than he did for aliens. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think, you know, when I think about the end of or how they did Alien 3, I, I think about that point in Aliens where, um, where uh, Newt falls down into the, the, uh, dot, the duct. And then that's when Ripley goes to save. Now, if Ripley hadn't have gone and saved Newt, of course, that wouldn't have been very heroic. But if she hadn't have done that, and she just took off with Hicks and Bishop, then there wouldn't have been the whole escape. The queen wouldn't have got onto the Sulaco. The, the eggs wouldn't have got onto the Sulaco. They wouldn't have crashed on the prison planet. And so they're, it kind of, in a way, they undid all this heroic the last act of aliens that's kind of what i had the problem with on that too was they they kind of just undid everything on at the end of aliens that made it su such a great movie so yeah, well, yeah ripley actually went back for a cat so i wouldn't be surprising <laughs> <laughs> true welcome stephen gray stephen gray our voice talent one, one of our uh, actors in our new forthcoming audio drama hi guys how's it going hey what's up stephen Happy Alien Day! Woohoo! Yeah. Thanks, guys, for everything that you've been doing. It's been enjoying uh, watching and everything that you guys have been putting up and everything you've been saying so far. A little Steve late in the game, but. He hates the prequels. He hates them. <laughs> <laughs> what prequel? Yeah, can't stand I exist? Cannot stand it. <laughs> Welcome, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. so Stephen, where, where, are you, uh, where are you calling in from? Is it still Alien Day where you are? Yes, it is. I'm calling in from uh, Michigan, United States. 
Are you from uh, Michigan? Yeah, yeah, it's from uh, about ten sixteen here. Uh, I did most of my celebrating really, really early this morning, but um, after a short cat nap, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what was your celebrating? Uh, well, um, Studio Utani. Uh, hello, Claire. She was very uh, happy and fortunate enough to share a bunch of fan edits, and I'm very fascinated with seeing tons of different perspectives from all sorts of different fans out there uh, who who might like to play a puzzle, you know, put the little pieces back together, like to um, see what could have been in those kind of additional edits and, and working out their editing chops. I'm a bit of an editor and video guy myself. And uh, it's always fascinating to see where they're coming from and their different interpretations and, and to see a, a pseudo sort of what could have been. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Thank you, Claire, for posting all those links. That was very, very fun to see, especially when Prometheus and, and Covenant is concerned. So many different alternate cuts from so many passionate fans. Did so you have a standout? Did you, did you have one that, that uh, was, was your favorite, Stephen? Uh, yeah, the most recent one that sort of stood out was the uh, the the LV four two six cut of Prometheus, the black and white sort of right. the one that sort of made that prequel cut. And I also really enjoyed the Alien Eight ATE of Resurrection cut. That was very interesting. Um, hmm. It's it, it's a pseudo cut that sort of whittles down. Um, a lot of the un well quote unquote unnecessary bits of so it's like five minutes. It's it's interesting as like sort of what could have been and and how they got clever with with all the little changes that they made. So that was well, very very interesting. interesting. Yeah. Hey Andy, hey, Andy. how you doing? Hey Andy. Hi. Hi guys. What's up? Happy Alien Day. Yes, to you as well. Actually, Man, I'm glad, I'm glad we really screwed up with uh, actual alien, you know, language. We were like, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm glad we we sprang for the uh, upgraded uh, video time because, like, at the 40 minute mark, everybody connected all of a sudden. <laughs> I know that's funny. That's funny. I just did it by itself. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, um, Andy, you were so great on that commentary track. Uh, getting oh, to listen back you. to it again was so it was so nice. I'm so glad. Was we, awesome. I was talking with Micah this morning because we were watching Aliens, of course, as you saw. And I she's did. like, she's like, did we ever find out why, uh, why Apone says, look into my eye? And I was like, yeah, he's giving him the finger. That's the whole thing. Totally. And I did not even think about totally. that until watching it. <laughs> really? Yeah, I just had, I had, I had always, you know, been like, like, why is he, like, something's wrong with his, or is he just like being an ass? I was like, oh, it's this metal thing. I don't know how it makes sense. You know what I mean? She just missed things sometimes. So thank you it for doesn't teaching. doesn't work very well. He's holding a cigar. You know what, what took me yeah, a long right? time to, it took me a long time to understand him say, hey, Sarge, you get lip cancer smoking those. I, yeah. for 20 years, did not know what he was saying. And then how the fuck someone, did you miss that? And then someone repeated it. I'm like, oh, lip cancer. I didn't know what he was saying. <laughs> hey, Sarge, you get lip cancer smoking those. <laughs> I actually had the same problem with Alien 3 when they were talking about the Y, uh, double Y chromosome. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I was in high school at the time. Oh. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. That was funny. Sorry, somebody said Alien Three. I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're big lovers of Alien Three here. Masterpiece, no doubt, no doubt. And you, and you are the good ones. <laughs> Can we do a quick poll? Actually, can we talk about assembly cut versus theatrical release of Alien Three? Quick, I would just love just to like talk about show of right hands, now. show of hands. Stephen doesn't have audio on, but I'm I'm gonna just you can do a show of voice. You have a great voice for that. And so so uh, all in favor of the theatrical release, raise your hand. Uh, yes. Can I raise a finger? 
Okay, we have a couple <laughs> fingers, like more than one finger going up right now. So I who really here like is the in assembly. the assembly? You like the assembly more, okay. I, I started with the theatrical cut, but I love the assembly cut. I'm yeah, I don't like the assembly cut. It's too... Who is Taquito Palomares? He keeps joining and leaving. <laughs> I think he's offended because we're calling him a little taco. I think it's actually Tachito. Every time he can, if it, is it? There he is. It's 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 is that is that Tachito? Taquito? I think it's Taquito. Oh, Steven's got his video on. It's not. Hey, oh, it's guys, a, uh, it's not Tachito because you don't pronounce the H like that. It's. What? Well, Taquito is a word though. I know. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I literally have Taco Palomares. Welcome. Little Taco Palomar. Until he connects to audio, we're not going to know either way. So, we're not from, know. you know, this is so just William, Ball, William, William, um, Robbie, that's you. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> For some reason, I have the feeling that Claire has been trying to say something about Alien 3, but we haven't let her. Okay. Clara, Alien 3, tear it up. Sorry, what were you saying? <laughs> I, I'm saying that I thought that you were going to say something about Alien 3 and we never let you do it. So it's like, okay, we kept on going. So you know, do you have anything? Uh, I, I, I really don't mind Alien 3. It's just that, that at the time when I watched it, I was a young girl and that sort of movie has an effect on people. And as, as a female, it, it did not make me comfortable. Um, now that I've grown and I've matured and I understand like the symbolic nuances of the script and uh, the storyline. It, it's something that I appreciate, but at the time I just can't reconcile that feeling that it gave me when I was in high school. Like I felt, I felt so defeated after watching that film. Um, and, and which is why that's why I love resurrection because it felt like a complete um, 180 from what I experienced initially in alien three. So, <laughs> I can't help but like let my emotions guide me. Andy, what do you think of Alien 3? Because you've never really talked about it. I haven't. Um, I, I definitely have the same, I think I saw it in high school and yeah, high school for the first time. Um, it devastated me on a variety of levels. Um, like I, didn't, I definitely didn't like it, but again, after having seen it as a teenager, and then going over, going, I've seen it a lot of times for something that I claim to not have liked in the beginning. Um, it's not my fave, Aliens will always be my fave, but I love it so much more now mm -hmm. than when I did. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, my appreciation has gone from like zero to, you know, or I've at least done a 180 on it. Yeah. Um, uh, but there's definitely the discomfort factor, which I think, you know. I Alien movies shouldn't be very comfortable. Right, that's the point. <laughs> right, right. Um, so, yeah, I like that it makes me uncomfortable, if that makes any sense. But absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's the most Lovecraftian about uh, of all the movies outside from Alien. Yeah, it has that nihilism that you're talking about. It has that, like, I mean, like, feeling like nothing is safe, whereas you felt real safe. Even in the middle of the craziness of aliens, you felt safe. There's this comfort about it. Alien and Alien 3 do not have that comfort. No. You just don't. No, at and all. I think that's probably why I enjoy them more, is mm -hmm. because that's what Alien for me is. It's 
not being comfortable. Um, whereas you sort of have the mommy and the daddy in the end, and the and it all sort of and their pet out. bishop, yes, <laughs> family friendly ending. <laughs> their little dog. I'm gonna take the bishop for a walk today. Is that cool, Ripley? Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I agree with that completely. It, it, almost, even from the beginning, the opening fanfare of the 20th Century Fox, uh, uh, it kind of sets the tone right off the bat, like. Um, Ralph Brown said in an interview, it's like, as soon as that happens, it's just kind of like, oh no, oh, there's just a sense of foreboding. It really yes. sets the tone yeah. where nothing is really safe. I saw it when I was seven in the theater and uh, my life has been changed ever since. It was, kind of, <laughs> I, I, think, I think it's kind of what's the first film that really showed me that things do not always end okay, but they can end appropriately in the sense that, well, Ripley's struggled throughout her whole experience. She's been, she's had it rough, to say the least. She's, yeah. she's been ripped of every comfort that she's known. She's been ripped away from every sort of, every sort of person who's always been there for her, helped her. Her daughter's gone, even her own humankind are, are against her. And she's trying to protect them all. She has the, the humanity and the will to, to, put her, to put others before herself, even though she's been treated and dragged through the dirt her whole experience through all these films that we've seen. And I think that stands as a really strong testament to character. I think she's the strongest and the weakest she's ever been in three. And it's a fascinating performance for yes, Sporty to watch. Yes, yes. Um, and to, to have that, that sense of humanity, to have that gumption to do it is, is inspiring. She's, she's amazing in that final chapter to me. I may not like Alien 3, but I really enjoy the way Stephen talks about it. <laughs> you know what's interesting? Just, Patrick and I discussed uh, the, the gendering or disgendering of, of Ripley. I don't think, I think it was for Alien 3. Was it for Alien? Oh, no, it was for the first one. But really, if you look at Ripley, she is everything. She, she's cried. She's, you know, she's been a mom. She's been a leader. She's every gambit of the human experience is Ripley. And she's not like a Sarah Connor, so which I think is almost too much, in my opinion. Sarah, Sarah so Connor's jaded. like, yeah. yeah, Sarah Connor's lost her mind. Ripley oh, okay. never lost her mind. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. And just uh, they're just they're just never going to be a character like her again. Bring and they have the force of character to keep that mindset, and yeah. while the whole world is is falling apart around her, and even yeah. especially in three, when even the the prisoners they don't believe her. They think that, you know, at some point they, she might've brought this curse, you know? And, and the fact that she says, okay, I'm going to take care of you people. I'm going to help you get through this so we can all get through this is still, even though they try to murder her, they try to rape her. They try to, they try to cause harm to her. And she's still it's like, no humanity first. I don't want anybody to deal with anything that I've experienced in this regard. Nothing, everything pales in comparison. She's so strong and it's so inspiring to see. Well, no, I think that in the future, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that I think that in the future that it's so messed up as social standards go, uh, that we're presented with the company and earth itself and humanity. I think that Ripley is the one that retains the human standards. Yes. That, that has that caring for her species instead that for money. So it is that humanity that faces the alien when it comes to the creature, but not only the creature, the company itself. The moment that they discover Ash, you see her face actually dealing with Ash. And she's like, oh, I never expected this, but we need to do something about it. And then you see the contemptuous uh, relationship that she has with Parker 
and even Parker becomes inspired by her. So it, it is that humanity that she represents. She represents humanity when it comes to all the films itself. Even her clone in Resurrection, which I may not like the film, but I do like the script and I do like the novelization and even the comic because the memories of the clone from the original Ripley just makes her become Ripley and makes her become human. Agreed. I would agree with that. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I feel the exact same way. Ripley injects the humanity into to these later chapters. Where That's why I love Prometheus and Covenant is that they start off very human, but they're so devoid of humanity. David is sort of the representation of the loss of humanity where Ripley sort of interjects it back into it. Where David is trying to destroy it. David is trying to take away. He says it's no good. He doesn't like it. I'm going to develop a way to, to make a truly perfect organism that is worthy of God's status. And uh, that's why I'm so fascinated to hopefully see if Ridley Scott gets the opportunity to release his third installment to see how those two elements of that world might intersect and might, might evolve to the starting point where humanity can be injected back in. That's very interesting. Um, glad I'm not the only one who thinks that way. <laughs> but Resurrection, yeah, is even more fascinating because she's not Ripley. She's number eight. A completely different character. She doesn't know who she is, what she is, why she is. She's got no investment in these people. She she's got no investment do. in her. She has <laughs> nothing to do. She's got no investment in her humanity. She's got no investment in her xenology. She's she's freaked, as as Brad Dorf put it. She yep. and she makes her own decisions, and yet she still has these instincts of both alien and human. It makes her one of the most fascinating characters in the franchise for me. At that point, number eight, I would love to see alien, a, a fifth alien movie explore where number eight is in this this time in some way or capacity. And uh, I don't think a lot of people give, give, give number eight enough credit for that, that she is so drastically different yet so very familiar at the same time. But even she doesn't know what she is or what she's doing or who she is. It'd be fun to explore that side of her psyche being a complete Xeno-human hybrid. In, in a way well, that we haven't Jamie, seen before. Jamie, Patrick, I'm not going to talk about more about the comic because this guy got <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, right? Well, I, I wrote a like partial, like 56 pages of a script about uh, Ripley 8 and exploring who she was. And what starts happening is she starts, like clones do, degrading. And so she starts reliving all of those. She starts seeing Ash and Dallas in front of her um, because she's degrading. And so her genetic memories are replaying. Um, anyways. That's the story for another time. That's a wild idea. Send me a link, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I will. But yes. what, uh, to go back to one point about comfort and aliens, in Alien 3, when she, um, when she um, gets, sorry, something's going on outside. Um, when she gets <laughs> Bishop and puts him on the slab and turns him on, you feel all that sense of comfort come right back. That little yeah. space that she creates with Bishop, you're like, he's like, I'm home. And so are we. Like, right. in that moment between these two characters, it's like we're back in Aliens again for a minute. Yeah. And he's a, he's a little lifeboat for yeah. her psyche. That's, and just, when he goes off, that's it. She's oh. completely alone. And it's and she yeah. knows it. You can see yeah. it in her face. Like, oh, yeah. boy, what am I going to do now that she knows? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, that's a really good point. I think, well, Jamie, you and, and Patrick and I have talked about this a bunch of times. And my, my big thing is um, I grew up, I think, Jamie, you're kind of the same way in this. For me, Ripley was like a mother figure to me when I was a kid. Like I, I, I enjoy, I could not get my hands on enough 
things that Sigourney Weaver was part of. I loved her as an actress. I loved her character. I just, it, it, everything. So when I saw, which I was in my teens, when I saw uh, Alien 3, and uh, it crushed me, just crushed me to know that I had lost that. And I'm like, I'm never going to see this figure. Like, this was a big part of me as, as, as a female action star. She was my favorite for everything. I mean, you know, like Gorillas in the Mist is still one of my favorite movies that Sigourney Weaver's in. I mean, I watched Agreed. the Ghostbusters movies. I like anything I she does. <laughs> I just, yeah. Anything she did, I, I, put, I got myself into. So I, I, as a teen, I was crushed the way that ended. Um, which actually is one of the only reasons I like Alien Resurrection because I was like, hey, if nothing else, I'm at least going to get to see her in some form in this movie. I, I do not like Alien Resurrection at all, except for her character. And that she one steals every scene, for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. And now, though, I see Alien 3 differently now. When I was a kid, it crushed me. But now I see it, and it has a total different feeling to me because as a, a father to a daughter – when the scene with Newt, where she has to verify mm -hmm. that the alien is not a Newt, and she does, he has to go through the dissection. I'm telling you, I cannot watch that scene anymore without bringing tears to my eyes, yeah, because right. I, I, you can actually feel in her like the mother-daughter connection, and it, like it's just, it's a whole nother feeling. Now I love that movie. Like Alien Three is probably my second favorite, simply for the Woo! fact I have, I have a different connection to the movie than i did at one time um i mean that that's like i said it's night and day you know once it was you're taking away my favorite you know my favorite character and then to see it from another vantage point looking through ripley's eyes and being like you know basically this was my second chance at a a, a daughter a family and he, it's gone again yeah. and it just and then for her to have to like literally push and stand there to have it done it, it it's all feels it's the curse element she, it's, it's, it's almost like a curse. I like, I like to think of it like that. Like once you're involved or have any sort of interaction with this thing, there's no way out. Everybody who's ever had any contact with it is usually either meets a horrible end or is killed by the company. And uh, it's, it's, it's a, her curse and she carries it so well. You're absolutely right with, with that emotion of having that daughter, which brings us to the idea of Amanda Ripley. Um, no. <laughs> Yeah, what do you guys think about Amanda Ripley's involvement in in the film universe versus the isolation universe? And, Man, and her. I have to talk more about my comic. Stop. <laughs> I think we got to leave Ripley alone. I don't. Just I don't like another. She's a Ripley clone. That's what she is. Yes. She's a Ripley. Yeah, clone. You literally made the hashtag bring Ripley back, and you still fucking put that on stuff, even well, though every episode you're like, I, I take it back. I, I take have it back. put that and on. And then the next morning, Jamie's no. like, like, bring Ripley no. back. Bring Ripley no. back. Hashtag. Well, you put a fucking hashtag I, on that shit, Jamie. You mean that? Look into my well, that's, eye. That's all right. <laughs> That's all right. Do you think that, um, well, Amanda Ripley, you know, if, if people think of it in the context of, of isolation being canon with the films, don't you think the company would have tried to eliminate her just as well instead of having her grow to be 66 years old in Wisconsin and, 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 and die a natural death as opposed to, you know, silencing her or something like that? You know, that's uh, based on the company's track record. I would assume they However, would make an attempt. But. They could have had a photo. I mean, uh, Carter or Burke tells Ripley that information. We don't really know if that information is true. Are they telling that, the truth? It's that the company finding out that information. True. So I think I, there's I have a theory about that though. I have a theory about that though. Do and, you? Uh, is this I in your comic? And the thing is that, you know, after isolation, and I'm not trying to go with the comics itself because, you know, 
the comics actually continue her story. And I think that um, what Jamie has spoken about Ellen Ripley not being Sarah Connor, I think the comics have actually made Amanda Sarah Connor, which is something that I really don't like uh, because I think that even though she can be part of a clandestine group uh, that is trying to fight the company and trying to be, um, I would say, off the grid, which would actually sit well in faking her death and the such, uh, I think that the strength of the company itself will actually be too much. And even though you may have like clandestine groups and divisions trying to, you know, like even right now, when you look at the, the corporations and even the government, how we have it on these times, that doesn't mean that's going to change in the future, you know? So I think that there is a possibility, like Jamie was implying that uh, Amanda might actually just, that information might actually be false. And who knows? Even she may actually have some spies inside the company, and it would have been nice that even Alien Resurrection itself, the information about the 200 years could have been something more like a 20-year difference. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, we still have Amanda, even as an old lady, reunited with her mom. I mean, she could probably even have been alive when Burke said that to her. I agree. That's in right. some prison, in some right. way on Utani prison, you know? The life cycle or the, the yeah, that's a discussion I was having with a fan the other night. It's like, okay, well, let's talk about the cryotube technology. That's got the Narcissus from alien to aliens. That's a damn good lifeboat to have enough life support system for 57 plus years for one single individual where people could potentially live for hundreds of years. So, who knows if even like like you were implying if they're even telling the truth that she even is dead who knows that they don't well, got her in stasis in a, in a storage facility somewhere you know keep it also the, the, the 57 years comes in the, in the midst of a nightmare like it's not even actually reality right and and later on like the only time that it's even referenced is in the interrogation scene where they talk about the passage of time like the ensuing years right but then they don't specify exactly what it is that being said it would be a massive gaslighting operation to have you know through the, the ensuing three movies to have Ripley convinced of like the wrong alternate timeline, but the company has tentacles everywhere, you know. What I would say though, is that the the Amanda Ripley story as it continues after I I think isolation is like one of the great things that has ever come out of this, ever come out of this franchise, and in Agreed. fact, it's what I'm playing as soon as I wrap this. The <laughs> um, but the way that that story was continued in the comics, like after Defiance, I just find that it just got so old and stupid, and I feel like the Zula Hendricks stuff felt so forced. And it was really, uh, when Brian Wood was let go for completely unrelated but very valid reasons, I was like, thank God, because like, I, I feel like you know, there was so much potential there and, and I got so tired of those comics so quickly and I don't know exactly what it was, but I think part of it's because they were trying to create this like Sarah Connor-ish facsimile of, of yeah. her mother and that was what they were focusing on and they kind of lost sight of who Amanda was as a character in her own right. Whereas mm -hmm. in Isolation, I feel like the entire time uh, you know exactly who Amanda is on her own uh, merits. Michael is about to peace out. Uh, we Hi, love Michael. you, buddy. Get back Hi, to Hi, Michael. Uh, Thanks for coming on. Get back to uh, your hey, guys. Uh, Alien Day festivities, and we'll, we'll be in touch and hopefully have you on super soon again. Hey, great to talk to you guys. You too. Bye, Thanks buddy. for coming on. And gals. Bye. <laughs> By the Meanwhile, way, I think Taquito Palomares is Dave Gogol. I just have that suspicion. Taquito <laughs> is still fucking joining. That is Dave yeah. Gogol. You know it's that? It's gotta be Dave Gogol. <laughs>
You, you know, you know what Dave texted me as soon as we put the, the aliens commentary check out, he was like, what? how many times did you guys say there's something problematic in this commentary? And I was like, Jesus Christ, you know what? Okay. We do say something's problematic. And that is the only time this comes up and correct me if I'm wrong, Andy or Jamie is the queen getting into the dropship, which still, I don't care how you try to yeah. justify that shit. No, you can't. You can't, <laughs> you can't. There was no CGI, so actually, it's just problematic. It <laughs> it's implied. It's implied, but she clearly got on there somehow. You know, it's it's what what is it? All in what you don't see that makes it scary. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, that's not what that means. Okay? <laughs> yeah, no, no. I get you. No. <laughs> I think there was an actual part uh, when you see Bishop uh, trying to pull away from the explosion that there was a red light blinking that to me had nothing to do with the outside conditions. I think that was sort of a pressure problem with the ship itself. So it's kind of like an alarm that he was not paying attention to because it was just trying to get away. I mean, so as it's pulling out? Yes. When you look, when he's actually pulling out, you see that there's a little red flash hitting on his face. That was not. Oh yeah. Okay. I think that was actually an alarm saying that there was a problem with the landing gear, because if you notice when the there was an explosion and the landing landing gear did not close right. Right. It's dragging know, the pipe. Exactly. Right, yes. There, obviously, not because of the pipe itself, but possibly when the queen actually got inside and then the pipe got it uh, in between the landing gear, he had to take off. He was not paying attention. He was like, okay, so we have a landing gear that's not closing. Whatever. You know, we have to get out of here. So he he didn't pay any mind to it. Because the landing gear is not really going to mess around when you're actually docking into a ship. Yeah. What would be different right, if you're right. landing. So I think he didn't pay attention to that alarm, thinking that it's okay, all right, no problem. We just have to get out of here. You know, and, and, and to be fair, he had a lot on his mind. In that moment, exactly. there's, there's a lot of shit going on in the beginning of Aliens. Explosions, women, people, humans, you know. It's like, what? What, what am I going to do? Yeah, it's understandable, you know. Totally. It's a, an artificial per, person problem. Well, on top of that, there's the question of, okay, I know this is the, the big taboo question of what the hell's going on in Alien 3. Queen to egg to drop egg. ship into three. Theories. I can explain. I can explain. <laughs> the mystery, the mystery egg. I have some very interesting thoughts on that as well. But <laughs> you know, it's all what you don't see. <laughs> um, as far as as far as that, I've always thought or assumed that when it, in a compromised type situation, like like any sort of insect or, or, or creature might do, they might have some contingency backup plan or something like that. And I would always assume that the queen's biology, if a queen is compromised, she knows her nest is compromised. She has the ability to lay what I call lovingly an emergency egg or or uh, a new high egg. egg where You're trying to it say she's the... taking a shit, Stephen. She takes a, <laughs> well, she takes essentially, a shit yeah. and she an egg is She squeezes that out and... And stashes it in the environment when she's threatened. I would, I would, I would assume, and that's in within that egg would be a new queen face hugger that has the potential to have a queen embryo and a, a warrior embryo to protect this new forming hive. That's just my opinion of, well, of what it makes how sense. It potentially got there. And well, I, if you I think, think about that like, egg is in the dropship still, or is in the dropship landing leg. Up totally. There well, if you think about like, here's a dumb analogy, but like chickens, chickens will go and all of a sudden drop an egg somewhere. They just yeah. You know, they Sometimes it's right nervousness. Out. Not that the queen was nervous, but I mean, anything's possible. She, she might have been. She was out of her she environment. She was out of the hive. She was, she was flustered. Out of the... <laughs> she was flustered. Having a bad day. 
Well, you have to look at it from the point that the eggs don't come from the ovipositor. They come from inside the queen itself. So she might have actually had one or two eggs inside, even when the ovipositor was uh, ripped off. So she could have just got a couple in the food. chamber. Inside, inside. Right. She likes to keep it handy for close encounters. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Come out. <laughs> you know, my father used to kill chickens, and sometimes when they were just cleaning them out, open inside you saw eggs inside the chicken itself and they were when they were forming so you know i that's the analogy that i actually do have when it comes to the queen itself yes yeah it's not too far off to accept like yeah. two at least. i totally, agree i agree totally but you know why that's in the script though is 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 because specifically of vincent ward wanting to get rid of newt in the beginning of the movie because she because he felt like that was going to just encumber the entire rest of the story and so we also had to get rid of hicks along with her to basically just kind of reset everything and it's not like he was going into this as some sort of like an alien super fan like he was just a upcoming yeah. director from new zealand and he just wanted to kind of like flip turn the you know book over and do something new and he kind of figured probably somebody at brandywine would have been like wait a minute the continuity department can you take a look at this for a second but nobody <laughs> did because they were surviving on you know coke and donuts at that point and you know they put out the script where, where as we know from the at the alien through script analysis episode that we ended that series with um, at least went on hiatus from that series with. Um, there were like nine different versions of the opening to that thing. Each of them had different color coordinated highlights. It was a, it was an absolute mess. And they shot it right. And and I I guarantee after shooting it, somebody brought that up. You know, and they were like, you know what, we're just gonna have to. You know, sometimes chickens have eggs inside them, and they you know shit them out of death, <laughs> and it's gonna make sense. You know. Absolutely, absolutely. And Andy, as far as like what what's what happening in the beginning this? too. Andy, anything? <laughs> oh, my take? Um, yeah, initially, I think, I think you're meant to just kind of assume, like, like just kind of go along with the ride and just, uh, like, not, maybe not even figure it out. Just, but, but I agree with you that there's got to be some sort of internal mechanism, and there definitely has to have at least been two, correct? Um, Potentially, yeah, based on based on what we know about the life cycle at that point. Right. The fact that they die after they impregnate, so there had to have been two. That's um, why I think that it, the super face hugger that we briefly see in the assembly cut and in the trading card with Christopher Fairbank holding it up and all that, that's why I always assumed that the super face hugger has the potential to maybe implant multiple embryos, maybe implant a queen first and then right. ensure that the queen might survive by implanting a warrior before. We don't really know much about from the film perspective, what the super face hugger can and cannot do, but it, I'm so it glad does you interject that, that trading card because I yeah. fucking love, I love yeah, that trading to card. That to me, bitch. Fascinated the yeah, fuck, oh, that's fascinated right. The hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, we don't yeah, ever see the egg. It's a weird right? idea. We see Here's the egg question, in like one shot and yeah, you see it upside open. down yeah. and the dog is, looks like a standard okay. egg. How yeah. long yeah. was Bishop on that dropship before he did that dropship come straight from the Sulaco? At least. So At like long did he spend on that? Could he have put put an egg on that ship? That's to... another theory. There is there is that theory as well. Bishop also says, "Was it with yeah. us on the Sulaco?" He goes, "It was with us all the way." Like he could have brought that to look at. To, I mean, that's mm. theoretically possible. Mr. Burke <laughs> gave instructions <laughs> that it would be in stasis to return to the company labs. He's yeah. very specific about it. Bishop Maybe there was already is, well, is programmed. To, I'll leave you guys with this. I'll be right back. Okay. Well, he would have had to have found. He, there was definitely oh. not with him when he was crawling through the. the but place. at at the same time, Bishop 
it is impossible for him to harm or by omission of action allowed to bring harm to a human being. That can never happen now with his behavioral inhibitors. So that would compromise his programming to protect humans. Maybe. But yeah. at the same time, but you never know. He is an android. He is programmed. He can still smile at you and still carry on his programming in the next the next instance. And I love the idea of that we never really fully know. There's there's one thing or a few things that the alien movies have been really consistent on is they got to bring something, they got to bring the weird factor, they got to bring the creepy factor, and they got to always challenge your thinking. And three, especially in those moments, really, really does that and keeps yeah. you thinking about it. Like, okay, what could it possibly be? And keeps you wondering. And the fact that we never fully know even makes it scarier. I love the egg morphing idea, just, just hinting at oh, in the, the scenes of the first film. Okay. Yeah. Its life cycle could be multiple ways that it could produce. Even if it's compromised with no host, they could maybe take your material and form it into another egg organism. I That's what love I love about Covenant. Explored. Covenant yeah. is the idea of there's multiple ways that this can infect you. It makes sense that it's altering. It's the same way the alien alters its its uh, form depending on who it's impregnating it's going to do that with life as well so it might yeah. change the way it impregnates you or it infects you depending on the life that it's whatever now based on your experience uh jamie and patrick have you seen anything um as far as outside of bts from three specifically where they have cocoon prisoners i've seen i've seen their adi sculptures from bts and what they were working on and i don't know if that sequence is ever filmed maybe they has anybody ever heard or read anything up on, on what that element was? Maybe bringing back egg morphing or just potentially making cocoons involved in that chapter, even though... Well, in, in earlier versions of the script, there's there's various forms of, uh, you know, morphological things going on, right? Like, yeah. of course, in the Gibson script, that was, that was a big thing. Yeah. Um, and in the Gibson and, script, or the Ward script, there were, weren't there monks that were cocooned? They were yeah. cocooned, yeah. I, I don't know in terms of morphing. Oh, okay. I don't, okay. I don't remember that being in the Ward script, but I, I'm not, I don't know. I wonder if any footage exists from that. I, I once saw a picture from 20th Century Fox that had boxes upon boxes upon boxes in a room that all said Alien 3, and they said it was all unused footage from 3. Mm. And I was saying, give me a weekend at a projector and just let me look, you know. And I'm wondering <laughs> if, if, any, if anything to made it to the that, surface Patrick. of those. Yeah, we should. We'll, we'll, we're going to add that to the list of uh, things we're going to talk to to Charlie yeah, about. Yeah, um, we need to have before, a an extended wrap, cut uh, episode with Charlie, with the guy we who can, made it. Yeah, we probably yeah, should. With the guy who made it, for sure. Before before we wrap, um, Clary, you were going to say something a minute ago, and I think you got. I, th I think you're in the midst of cooking something. Oh, she's go she has to go because her battery's dying. Is probably what she was trying to say. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear yeah, you. Can you yeah, okay. So uh, what I was going to say is on, on the uh, practical model in Alien 3 um, of the EEV, the practical department managed to sneak a little face hugger in the design. And it's actually in, it, it didn't make it to film, but it was on, like, they used that model on the set. Um, and I like to think that that's the way the face hugger snuck onto the ship. It was actually attached on the outside. So it didn't come mm. from an egg. It had already left the egg. So I think that's interesting. Interesting. Or they could have been on her her like a spider. The, yeah. the, the face huggers could have attached to her like spider babies attached to their mother and crawled yeah. off of her. Totally. Like, like the ending of Shin Godzilla. <laughs> yes, the tail. I saw Those that, that, that 54 yeah, Godzilla still on dude. your wall, Stephen. Yeah, that's nice. 
But the fact that oh. there's an egg in Thank the you. third one, there's still an egg. That's true. See in the beginning of three. Emergency so egg. egg had two faces. Yeah. The, the contingency yeah. egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we got to wrap this just because we could go on forever. Um, it's been awesome. Thank you guys so much. Dwight, did Dwight leave? No, no he's there. Sorry, I didn't see you in the lineup. Thank you for coming on. Andy, John, Stephen, Clara, you guys are awesome. Thank you so Our much. Our dearly you beloved Taquito, awesome. Taquito Palomares. Thank Taquito you. Taquito Palomares, thank you so, so much. much. to contribute. We love you, Taquito. <laughs> Vogel. Thank you, guys. It was great to talk with you guys. Absolutely. Thank you, Dwight. I saw you have a Mandalorian poster, too, so uh, big ups to Mandalorian. Yeah. We're going to be doing a frame rate on that pretty soon. Darth Maul's so. in season two. Yeah. Awesome. Michael Bean's going to be in it, so. Oh, yeah. I know. Oh, Andy's going to be watching that, right? Do not. <laughs> do not. And for anybody out there, do not ask Michael Bean to sign anything Alien 3. He gets very upset. Oh. Really? <laughs> really? Interesting. I've got a, I've got a very... I wouldn't say fun, but a very interesting story about Michael Bean and my, uh, my, my, my you experience with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> to be continued. To be, to be continued. continued. Yeah. All right. Thank, Thank you guys you so much. Guys. We'll see you later. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks.